listening to Law and Gospel on this Monday, October the 7th, in the year of our Lord, 2019. And we're going to take a look at one of the four lessons for the coming 18th Sunday after Pentecost, October the 13th, in the year of our Lord, 2019. Psalm 111, Ruth chapter 1, Luke 17, which are the ten lepers, and we're going to look at Second Timothy chapter 2. Every time we look at a text, every time you read a passage in the Bible, you should be looking for two items. Number one, Jesus. Where is Jesus in the text? Because the entire Bible is written by Jesus through the Holy Spirit and is all about him. The second thing is law and gospel. What is the law of the text? What is the gospel? This particular reading is from Paul's second letter to Timothy whom he considered his son in the faith, preparing him for pastoral ministry, chapter 2, 1 to 13. He, first of all, references their relationship. You then, my child, be strengthened by the grace that is in Christ Jesus. When I had gone to the seminary uh, way back... You're assigned to a congregation, and my congregation I was assigned to to work there for about three or four years while I was at the seminary was Emanuel Lutheran Church in Olivet, Missouri, Pastor Walter Hoffman. We became such good friends, he would regard me as his child, and I often regarded him as my spiritual father. In fact, when I got in the ministry, every time I had a problem, I would phone him. And there were a number of times I kind of disagreed with what he told me to do or say, but I still followed it, and it always worked out. He was just a genius when it came to working in a Christian manner with members of the congregation. But Paul continues, you then, my child, be strengthened by what? By your works? No, by the grace that is in Christ Jesus. Now, that's interesting. Grace, therefore, is in Christ Jesus. It's his attitude towards you. He's gracious. That's why the Pharisees were so angry with him. He did not give a person what they deserved, particularly if they were sinners. He would not give them vile statements, tell them they're going to hell like the Pharisees would. And he would not give to the Pharisees what they deserved in their minds. Oh, you are such wonderful people. No. In regard to sinners... He gave them what they did not deserve by the grace of God, namely the forgiveness of sins, the robe of righteousness, and many other blessings. Paul continues, because they had had a relationship, 
Paul had taught Timothy. He says, verse 2, and we're in chapter 2 of 2 Timothy, and what you have heard from me in the presence of many witnesses, so is probably a house church, in trust to faithful men who will be able to teach others also. This is why we have seminaries. A seminary is the opportunity to entrust to Christian men who are faithful to the Lord so they can teach others also. Now, there's a consequence of this. Verse 3, share in suffering as a good soldier of Christ Jesus. There was never a time in the history of the world where you did not suffer if you were a believer. In fact, the Beatitudes talk about that, don't they? Those who are persecuted will be blessed. So we share in suffering. What are we sharing? We're sharing the suffering of Jesus in our lives. Now, Jesus used parables to kind of help people understand what he was saying. Paul here uses analogies. He gives three of them. No soldier gets entangled in civilian pursuits since his aim is to please the one who enlisted him. Yeah, I was watching a movie recently. It was a war movie. It was about soldiers in Vietnam. And one of them said, I'm personally against war, but uh, when we were attacked, I felt it necessary to enlist, even though I sure don't appreciate going to war. In fact, I just saw in 1916, the British were going against a German outpost. And there was, they called Dead Man's Land. And 20,000 British soldiers were killed in the first hour of the battle because they thought that they had bombed the German trenches to such a degree nothing would be left. But the Germans were hidden deeper underground than they expected. And so when the what was it, 200,000 British soldiers who had volunteered to fight the Germans, they were sent forth, and the Germans just came up out of their trenches and met them with machine gun fire. And so whether you were for the war or against the war, you were battling. Don't get entangled in civilian pursuits. Number Two analogy, an athlete is not crowned until he competes according to the rules. Now, see, that's an analogy that what are the rules we have as a pastor? To preach the word of God in its purity and administer the sacraments properly. And the third analogy he uses, it is a hardworking farmer who ought to have the first share of the crops. Yeah, can you imagine a farmer puts up corn 
and then people from the city come and they take it all down and take it home. Now, I don't know why they would because, what, 80, 90% of the corn grown is for animals. I always thought every time I saw corn, it was sweet corn. But, no, that's another kind of corn, and it's not grown near as much. But, boy, is it good. But those are the three analogies. A soldier, an athlete, and a hardworking farmer, they have a goal. And that goal is according to the rules, and therefore they share, for example, in the produce, like the farmer. And the produce, of course, that we share in is heaven itself as our home. Verse 7, think over what I say, Paul says to Timothy, for the Lord will give you understanding in everything. Now, how is that possible? During the Reformation, there were three or four solas, which means only, only grace, uh, only faith, only Christ, and one of them was Scripture alone. By studying Scripture, when you go to a Bible study, a proper pastor will be quoting Scripture all over the place to help you to explain what a particular passage means. And that's how the Lord gives understanding in everything. Now, we're assuming the Lord there is referring to Christ. He's already mentioned Christ twice. Be strengthened by the grace that is in Christ Jesus. Share in suffering as a great soldier of Christ Jesus. Listen to verse 8, the third time. Remember Jesus Christ. Now, what does that mean? Remember that he's God? Remember that he did miracles? No. Remember Jesus Christ risen from the dead. His resurrection is absolutely critical because God the Father explains that the words of Jesus from the cross, it is finished, were true. And that's why he was risen from the dead. But then Paul goes on, the offspring of David. Now, why is that important? Because it is through the household of David that the Messiah is to come. And Jesus is the Messiah. In fact, Remember I say we're looking for law and gospel? Listen to the next words. As preached in my gospel. Now, it's Paul's gospel because that's what he's preaching about. Jesus did a lot of preaching. We know we don't have near the sermons that he spoke about or the truths When he goes to raise Lazarus from the dead, Mary and Martha already are aware that there is going to be a judgment at the end of the world, and Lazarus will rise then, but Jesus is coming to raise him from the dead prior to the judgment. Where did they learn that? In the Bible studies, which they had with with Paul, talking about Jesus as preached in my gospel. Now, he brings in again, verse 9, for which I am suffering 
bound with chains as a criminal. He really had been arrested and he was in chains. And in fact, he even mentions that the soldiers guarding him came to an understanding that he was suffering because of the message of the gospel that he kept proclaiming. And it appears that some of the soldiers were even converted. Roman soldiers converted by Paul. So he says, he's bound with chains, but listen to the next phrase. But the word of God is not bound. You see, the devil will want to do everything he can to stop the word of God from being preached. But as soon as it is preached, that means it is unbound. And look at what it can do when people hear the message of the gospel and the Holy Spirit creates faith in them. And what is that faith? That faith is, of course, trust in the promises of the gospel. So just because you're suffering doesn't mean that God is angry with you. No, you're becoming part and parcel of the mission of Jesus Christ himself. And therefore, don't be surprised when you're persecuted, maybe even sometimes by family members or by relatives or by neighbors, co-workers, etc., but speak the word of God, because it's not bound. It's open and free once the words are heard. Why does Paul do this? Verse 10, therefore I endure everything for the sake of the elect. Now, what's he talking about? Well, the elect needs to come to faith. And therefore, Paul will endure anything, imprisonment, hunger, being beaten for the sake of the elect. Now, when you do something for the sake of someone, it's in order that they might receive something through you that they would not have received had you not spoken. And what is that? When he says, I endure everything for the sake of the elect, that they also may obtain the salvation that is in Christ Jesus with eternal glory. Wow. There's a fourth time that Christ Jesus is mentioned. And what's salvation? Salvation is freedom from the curse of the law. In the day that you sin, you should surely die. You're freed from that because someone else took that punishment in your place. That was Jesus Christ. He saved you. And that's really critical. That you may obtain the salvation that is in Christ Jesus with eternal glory. Now, that eternal glory doesn't begin on the day of judgment. It begins at the day of your baptism, for example. You are now in the family of God. You are now participating in eternal glory. And that eternal glory will come to fruition 
when it comes to when. Yes, the judgment day when you are taken to heaven in a new body and stay there forever before Jesus Christ. So, Paul now, and most scholars believe that this could have been part of a hymn used in the early church, where Paul begins, the saying is trustworthy. Now, what does the word trustworthy mean? Well, if you take a look at the original, it means when you hear something, when you hear a saying, it's worthy of your trust. It's telling the truth. And that's the gospel. The, the, the reason it's worthy of your trust is because it's the word of God. But you still have to trust it, and that can only be done through the power of the Holy Spirit. Because you cannot trust what the Bible says on your own. It's too ridiculous. Uh, think of a neighbor you might have that appears to be a real sinner. What the Bible says is that his sins have been forgiven. Do you trust that? There, there's much that is worthy of our trust because it's in the Bible, but it really doesn't make sense. It's against reason. It's against common sense. But we trust it because it's the word of God. So he begins, the saying is trustworthy, and now he's going to say the saying. For if we have died with him, we will also live with him. How do you die with Jesus? What is put to death? What is put to death is your sinful nature, your old Adam. And that occurs in the waters of baptism. It also occurs when a person comes to faith, apart from baptism, because there was no baptism of the nature we're speaking of prior to Pentecost. But all those people who came to faith, guess what? They died with Jesus. What died? Their self that was prideful their self that thought it could save itself. It was put to death. There's nothing you can do to save yourself. But when you recognize that, and that's why John the baptizer was sent, repentance was a way of putting oneself to death, humbling oneself before the Lord Jesus Christ. Then you will also live with him. And even though it says we will live with him, that's not a future as much as it is a present reality. You're living with Jesus right now. Verse 12, if we endure, and what does that mean? That means if we stay faithful to the end, we will also reign with him. That's gospel. Now here comes law. If we deny him, he will also deny us. In fact, when we 
have members of the congregation who deny Jesus, and that's usually done through unrepentance, then excommunication should be brought into play for one specific reason in order to bring them back into the family of God. Excommunication is a wonderful gift given to us by God as a means of strengthening those who are in the church. But if we deny him, he will also deny us. Remember Jesus says on the last day there will be those who say, well, we spoke about you, and he says, I never knew you. Because, of course, they did so in unbelief. This next verse is really a great verse because we can't figure it out when you first read it. If we are faithless, he remains faithful. What does that mean? I thought if we deny him, he denies us. So therefore, if we are faithless, can't we say he'll be faithless to us? But he can't. The next phrase explains it. For he cannot deny himself. Why does he remain faithful? Because his faithfulness is based on his promises. And God doesn't go back on his promises, even when we are faithless. So what does that mean? Well, frankly, even Christians are faithless every day. That's why we confess we're poor, miserable sinners, deserving nothing but temporal and eternal punishment. But God is faithful. When Jesus died on the cross, the forgiveness of sins is now available. So even when you are faithless and you sin, simply with repentance, God remains faithful, forgives your sins, and you remain a member of the family of God because he cannot deny himself. Uh, How many times have you done something wrong and sometimes it causes you lack of sleep or you're thinking, oh no, I wish I could reverse what I did. And then you wonder, is God still loving me? Is he still going to take care of me? And the answer is yes, because he's promised to do so. He cannot deny himself. He may deny us if we remain in the state of unbelief, but he will not deny himself in not keeping his promises to all those who repent of their sins and believe in him. So, what Timothy is to do is entrust to faithful men what Paul has shared with him with the gospel so that they are also able to become pastors and be teaching others also. And why? So that the elect may be saved and they can obtain the salvation that is in Christ Jesus. Now, the word obtain, that concept doesn't mean that you earn it. 
by your works particularly. No. It's your birthday. You get presents. It's not wrong to say, well, I obtained a new bike on my birthday. Nobody says to you, well, what did you do to get that? No, you just had a birthday. You had no control over the fact that you were aging by one more year. That's how you look at the gifts of God. Because he baptizes you, he gives you faith, and therefore you obtain all kinds of tremendous gifts. Not because of anything you've done. Not because of your righteousness, but because of the righteousness of God himself. Which leads us to tomorrow's subject. Remember, we're switching Rumination Thursday with Wes. He's going to be with us tomorrow night. Call it Rumination Tuesday because Mark Smith is on assignment for the hymn. And what's the subject we're going to be talking about? The two kinds of righteousness. I thought there was only one righteousness. The righteousness that gets us to heaven. Well, we'll talk about the other righteousness And it's also a good righteousness. That'll be tomorrow on Law and Gospel. My name is Tom Baker. Until then, God bless. Listen to Law and Gospel each weekday morning at 9.30 on KFUO. For a tax-deductible gift to Law and Gospel, please make your check payable to Concordia Mission Society and mail it to Tom Baker, P.O. Box 28910, St. Louis, Missouri, 63132. To give online, visit lawandgospel101.com or call toll-free 1-877-267-1962. Views and opinions expressed on Worldwide KFUO may not represent the official position of the management or ownership of KFUO, the Lutheran Church, Missouri Synod. If you'd like to comment on programs or topics heard on Worldwide KFUO, write us at KFUO, 1333 South Kirkwood Road, St. Louis, Missouri, 63122. You can also leave a question or comment on our comment line at 314-996-1542. We are the messenger of good news, Worldwide KFUO.